Welcome everybody to episode 106 of the Startup Show. Today in the hot seat, we have Chris, who is the CEO and co-founder of Beekeeper. Today we talk about how corporates use messaging. We talk about teams, teams building, entrepreneurship in Switzerland, and much more. Welcome to the show. Welcome, everybody, to episode 106 of the Startup Show. Today, we are here at the headquarters of Beekeeper, and I'm very excited to meet with Chris, the CEO and co-founder, who is today in the hot seat. Now, Chris, as I told you just before, my show is really dedicated to investors, specifically startup investors, and what they told me in the off-record interviews is they would like to get to know my guests. So to take it away, please just introduce yourself briefly so we get an understanding who is here with me today. Sure. Thank you very much for the opportunity to be here and welcome to Beekeeper. Personally, my name is Chris Grossman, CEO and co-founder of a Beekeeper, was born and raised in Mexico City. Yep. I lived there my first 19 years, then moved to Zurich to do my studies at ETH. From a background, I come more from a technical background, studied chemical engineering, did my PhD in electrical engineering at ETH and then joined Accenture for one and a half years before starting Beekeeper. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now you you did like, I would say, all, all the areas you can be in. You can be, you were in academia, <laughs> you were in, let's say, corporate consulting, and you're also now in entrepreneurship startups. Tell me, what are, let's say, the differences and what did you enjoy the most and why? What I've been always enjoying the most is solving hard problems and difficult problems. That's what I was actually always looking for, for big challenges. So the very first big challenge I tackled was to come from Mexico City to Switzerland to study here in a great university. So that was the first challenge. I also love the challenges and the complex problems that chemical engineers solve. So that's why I went for that. I was fascinated by math and science and chemistry and physics, and it all comes together there. During the PhD, same story, just more on the electrical engineering side. Consulting, it was a whole new world for me. So it was interesting to kind of like go in there and learn more about it. Is, it, is there anything that you would say um, when you look at your career that, you, that prepared you the best for, let's say, building a company? I had the, the fortune to see that at home. My dad is an entrepreneur yeah. and we have a family business. So that's something that exposed me quite uh, early on to that. I helped there in a couple of things. I was the IT guy there setting all up the computers in the <laughs> 90s and putting the, the cables together. So that definitely must have helped. Sure. It was so, so it's basically in your blood from a very young age. Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> can say that, yeah. Very good. So let's talk about Beekeeper. Maybe let's give my audience a, a, a quick, let's say, pitch about like what you guys do here so we're all on the same page. Sure. At Beekeeper, we're very focused on connecting people. Yeah. That's what we do. And we connect especially organizations with all their employees, their frontline employees, typically the ones that are not sitting behind a PC, like yeah. most probably you and I do all the time. <laughs> but mostly those that are in the front lines, right? Why? Because those are the ones that drive the success of the companies. And it turns out to be that they're highly non-digital still nowadays, right? So large companies like hotel companies and manufacturers and retailers, they will still communicate with these frontline employees via bulletin boards or paper 
or oral communication. And that's actually what we're helping companies to digitalize and bring that to the mobile era. What do you see, let's say, when you went out, and I'm sure you spoke to a lot of potential customers and customers, what do you see is the key problem that you're trying to solve right now? Mm -hmm. The key problem is this, imagine a a large organization with 10,000, 50,000 employees, where 80% of them are frontline employees. They're working in the hotel, cleaning the hotel house or in your retail stores and so on. And the number one problem that we solve for them is how do I actually reach all those employees, right? How do I make sure that I can interact and communicate with them and they also among themselves, right? And right now with these highly non-digital channels like paper or oral communications, there are many hops in between sending a fast, quick information. It can be around the product launch. It can be around security even that is time critical or business critical that it arrives to the right person in a fast and, and reliable way. And that's basically what we solve. Right. It seems to me that, like, thanks to that, let's say the management and the frontline get much closer because they can more or less interact immediately. Correct. Right. Correct. If I understood correctly, you kind of have different niches, so you adjust the product to every kind of like industry more or less. Can you maybe walk me through uh, one of your industries where you say like, well, this is like probably the most fascinating one where we have very positive experiences? In all of them, there are beautiful experiences <laughs> and stories. But for example, in the hospitality industry, is one where we've been also yeah. operating the longest. And there are always different sites, right? Because it's a it's a platform that touches different parts of the business. The one I'm personally very passionate about is always here hearing the end stories, the end user stories, how we touch their lives and change it. So to share with you one of the the stories there, we rolled out Beekeeper in one of our larger properties in Las Vegas from one of our customers. And when we did that and onboarded the employees, we saw that one of the cleaning ladies started actually crying when we were explaining them what the tool was for and what they could actually get out of it. And we thought we were doing something wrong, so we were not <laughs> like, what is going on? And she shared with us that she had to travel one hour on a Sunday evening every week just to go from her house to the hotel, to stand in front of the bulletin board where the shifts are published every week so that she could know when she had to be when and if that was compatible with the other jobs she had. And by suddenly having a mobile app, which is her one-stop shop where she can get all the information she needs around her job, the company payroll, vacations, everything you need to know and coordinate with your team. She's only had two hours more on a Sunday evening to spend with her family, right? So it's those type of amazing stories that uh, really uh, motivate us and that we love hearing that from our customers, right? So that is one perspective from the employees side. There are other stories from, for example, headquarters, how they, a headquarter typically is quite let's say, uh, in a little cabin as opposed to everything that is going on in their organization. Again, if we take the hospitality industry with all the different hotels, and then suddenly through these type of channels, the visibility of the whole organization becomes possible. They see actually what's going on there. They have access to that front line of their business, the ones that are actually driving the business and driving the guest experience. So that's something that suddenly for them becomes like a wow and an eye-opening experience. Mm-hmm. But how can someone in the management handle, like, say, so many messages? If all of a sudden 60,000 people have the opportunity to speak to the management, then I'm sure... Yeah, sure. I mean, that's, that's part of the secret sauce and how Beekeeper is conceived. The, the combination and selection of how we combine certain features and certain communication layers makes it possible to have the communication for these 100,000 people organization in the same app as what you have within your region, maybe. And if you work at a shopping uh, 
center or in one of the stores, you also get the communication around that specific store and with your team, right? One of our core values is keep it simple. And that's where we've put a lot of effort in simplifying the experience on the end user side while making it powerful for the business. So maybe give us a rundown of the numbers of how many, let's say, clients or users you have that are already on, the, on let's say, using Beekeeper on a daily basis and like where you see, let's say, the couple of next years. We have right now companies that employ 2 million people uh, working with us and they're distributed in 137 countries. We're very fortunate to be able to see how internal communication works really from Asia to Europe to the US. And where we see the business going, you mean from uh, the trends in the industry? Or? No, less trends. We'll talk about trends later, but more mm -hmm. about you know what you roadmap for the next couple of years, mm -hmm. where, where you see the challenges, where you want to expand more. Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, we are, um, I think, at a very special point in time in this industry because there's like a big tipping point. Like companies are suddenly starting to realize, well, I have that many employees out there. I hadn't had the chance to actually connect with them. And now everybody carries a smartphone, right? So that opens up a whole new world of opportunities. And for us, our roadmap is going after this new category of technology. There are 2 billion people out there in the world that basically are in this situation, highly underserved when it comes to technology, and that's what we're after. I see it also, you know, sometimes people talk about digitalization and think because they use only emails that they're digitalized and exactly. they don't know how much yeah, further you can go these days. Exactly. But I would like to touch on the point that you mentioned, like how international you already are and how many countries you are, um, which is something that is very special. So there's not many startups that are able to achieve that specifically coming out of Zurich. And um, you also, I think you're always in the top 10 of the top 100 uh, startups. I think even, I think always one or two or three or something like this. And for me, it's curious to hear a little bit because I always hear it's so hard to build a company out of Zurich how it feels from someone who, I would say, made it to that stage of, of the startup life. It wasn't always like that. It took a while. We've been working on it <laughs> well, that, years. That's, it. that's important. That's very <laughs> yes, important. Yes, yes. People think it goes like this. Yes, yes, yes. The, so, the overnight success. <laughs> exactly. So there, there's no overnight success. It has been really a lot of uh, hard work. I think having the right team around has been one of the key things. And not only team in terms of uh, the inside team, but also our investors and the people that back us up. I think that has been highly helpful to, to get where we are, right? And it sure. still feels like there's so much more to go. So <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But, but tell me, like, when you look at the Zurich ecosystem, and I'm not sure if you have comparison to other ecosystems, is there anything that you would say, like, we do specifically good or we can still work on mm -hmm. uh, to, to make it, let's say, even more on a global scale? Yeah, sure. I mean, we, we have an office in the U.S., two, one in Austin and one in, in San Francisco. And so we've been also exposed a little bit to that Silicon Valley, U.S. type of uh, <laughs> entrepreneurship. Also with our investors in, in Germany and in London, we've been also in contact with those ecosystems. And I, I do think that we have been doing a, a great job here in Switzerland, moving yeah. forward in that direction. Again, there's still a lot to do, but the progress from when we started seven years ago to now, it has been like day and night. I wish I would have had the opportunities <laughs> and access and platform that sure. today's entrepreneurs have to get started seven years ago. So I think at the Zurich level, but then also at the country level in Switzerland and even micro more here in Zurich with ETH, they have been doing a great job in terms of fueling this ecosystem. We have been seeing great investors come in with a much bigger mentality. And especially when it comes to ICT, I think that's the one that always was a little bit lagging behind, right? Because there have always been investments, big investments, so people are used to investing here, but it had been more on ETH uh, or research type of projects that had 10, 15 years research behind, 
couple of patents, the cure for cancer, the cure for AIDS, those type of things that ended up in big bets and big returns, right? And I think ICT is something that people have been getting more and more acquainted now here in Switzerland and uh, that yes, no, there are no patents and yes, <laughs> speed that, that will make you a probably win. Sure, sure. So while, you know, I was wrapping up uh, season one, I made a lot of uh, interviews, with, or let's say off the record interviews with uh, investors and I asked them, what would you like to ask or what do you ask during your due diligence process? And what they told me is, they always like want to know, and you also briefly mentioned it, that like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a process. The whole thing is a process, and many times you encounter failure along the way. And one of the questions that they always wanted to know, if you could give us an example of something that you failed in the last seven years, and you would say, like, looking back, it was not a failure. We actually were able to make something positive out of mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. Is there a story that you can relate to or, like, express to us that you can <laughs> think back? Yeah, sure, I could speak like two hours about that because <laughs> there have been many learnings. I mean, we're one of our other core values is be brave and be brave means, means going out of your comfort zone. Is it double E? Be, be brave. Yes. Okay. So that's the twist. Yeah. <laughs> be brave and be open yeah. and be proactive. So in the be brave one, it's really about embracing failure from the perspective that you go out of your comfort zone, you're brave, you try something new. It will work or not work, but it doesn't matter. It's just an outcome and it's about learning from it and improving uh, on it and taking it further, right? And that value basically comes from the whole story of Beekeeper. We didn't start as Beekeeper. We started as an anonymous flirting platform for students. So imagine <laughs> how many iterations there are between that and a communications platform for yeah. non-desk work companies. And along those, there have been so many learnings that, that we have had. Every time we had to switch the idea, the product, the positioning was, I think, one of those bigger changes and learnings. And yes, in a way, you can say it was a failure because that one didn't work. And what we've done is we could have had already five companies if you wanted to, to see it <laughs> that way in between. And each one, one of them was a learning that brought us a little bit further. Right, right, absolutely. And I'm sure like the second question uh, that comes directly from investors is about the team. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you also were, especially in the early stages, uh, investors mainly invest in the teams. Mm -hmm. And what do you say, you know, when you, when you were growing your team now, what is it something that you would say is like the key characteristic of a new player that you would say, well, that's most important? And that will also, you know, what are you looking for in the team itself? Right now, we, we have uh, taken up the philosophy to hire very much along the values. That we, values are for us just guiding the principles of things we've learned in the past. And in order not to make the same, let's say, mistake repeatedly, uh, we have this style that in, in principles or in values, right? So right now, what we look in, in candidates for us is uh, alignment of having those certain types of values to be open, to be brave, to be proactive, all of them with E, <laughs> <laughs> yes. to keep it simple and to bring out the best of each other to work yeah. as a team, right? So those five are for us the most important things, how we like to, to hire and what we look in, in new talent. Okay, very good. I think that's part uh, one of the startup show. We are now getting into the audience ask. Every time I have a new person that signs up for the startup show mm -hmm. and agrees to me to be interviewed. Um, I'm making a post on all kinds of social media channels and try to curate the most interesting questions. So your question came from my WhatsApp group. So if mm -hmm. you want to join the WhatsApp group, make sure to hit me up. And today I was asked by Julia Weisberg, a good friend of mine, mm -hmm. and he has the following questions. 
There are a lot of messaging apps out there already. How do you differentiate yourself from your competitors? Yeah, great question. I mean, it's a, I think in the last years it has become evident that messaging is a new way of communicating, not only in the companies, but also outside, right? Like you mentioned, you have a WhatsApp group. That's what we see a lot. And WhatsApp groups are also everywhere in the industry, right? So many of our customers in the retail space, in the hospitality space, they also have WhatsApp groups, really? right? Yes, yes, yes. That, that's one of the, the first things that they realize, like, wow, well, I have 15 WhatsApp groups. How do I manage all this, right? <laughs> and that's really where the differentiation to Beekeeper comes, right? That by making this type of uh, interaction and communication something professional and enterprise ready. There is a security attached to it. There is compliance around it. Now there are all these regulations on GDPR and data protection and so on. WhatsApp has all your data in the US. So we see companies sending even payslips via WhatsApp and the type of implications from a security point of view and so on are huge. So the whole security and compliance is one part. The other one is when you have 15 WhatsApp groups, it's difficult to manage who is in which. We have heard horror stories from retailers having revenue managers in a group, and then suddenly one leaves and goes to the competitors, but they're forgotten to be taken out of the WhatsApp group, right? Oh. So they keep on getting out. <laughs> so in order to avoid those type of things, a professional solution that has also user management behind it and so on are actually the way to go. Plus then there's the whole operational story of the business, right? We have a lot of features and a lot of tools behind the scenes in order to leverage a messaging environment and a conversational environment for the employee, where we can also send confirmation campaigns, documents, crisis communication. Now in this day, it's also very important. So there's a lot behind the scenes from just the simple messaging, right? Thank you for answering. Thank you, Julia, for asking the question. I really appreciate it. Make sure to uh, subscribe to some of my channels so you also see when I announce new um, guests for my show. Now we will get into the quickfire question and answer. Just to remind everybody, that is five questions and you'll get about 30 seconds to answer as quick as possible, okay? What's your best advice for getting customer feedback? Asking them and talking to them. <laughs> any any tool you would say is useful? In terms of tool, we use a, a tool called Receptive that people or customers can actually go and give us their, their feedback in terms of features that they would like to do and rate them and prioritize them. So that has helped us to, to deal with a large amount of feedback that we get. Very good. If you remember back, how did you get your first paying client? The very first paying client was a walk-in into a store. At that time, we were still this uh, university community, and it was just a cold walk-in. I walked into the store. It was a cafe close to the university, and we were at that time monetizing it with online advertisement. Yeah. So I walked into the store, and I asked them if they wanted to put some <laughs> to get some more traffic, and that's how we closed the deal. It was 150 francs what I got there. <laughs> okay. okay, well, that's good. But I get, I, it's not like, you know, like some crazy yeah. tech out there, but like just yeah. bluntly walking into the store. Who do you admire in the startup world and why? One of my role models, and, and we're very fortunate to work very closely with him, is Ariel Ludi from Hybris. He built this company together also with a great team. Karsten and, and others from 2003 to 2013 sold it to SAP for 1.5 billion. An amazing story of growth, of resilience, of resistance. And uh, I think that's, that's someone, uh, yeah. And you work together with him? Yeah, he's one of early investors and board members. Okay. So we have been following a lot of his steps and yeah. footprints and blueprints in terms of how to build up a, a company like his. Sure. I mean, maybe you can hook me up. I can interview him. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, 
for the last one, you have to finish the sentence. Okay, so mm -hmm. I'm going to read the sentence. You have to finish it. Okay. The most important character for an entrepreneur is persistence. Why? In my experience, what has gotten us actually to this point more than anything is just staying there and keep on going and and having the resilience to to keep on going. Right. So. For the last part of, of the startup show today, um, you get to tell my audience uh, your piece of advice mm -hmm. uh, where you would say, like, this is my wisdom that I'm giving over right now. <laughs> <laughs> my wisdom. Um, considering your audience are also part students and young people, I think considering entrepreneurship as a viable career path and doing your own steps and your own company, I think that's something that I would wish have heard uh, many more times earlier so go for it and give it a try very good good so thank you very much chris for good. being here for being in the hot seat today thank you very much out there uh, for tuning in today thank you everybody for staying till the very end of this video i really appreciate it and have a great day hello everybody my name is andrea girasola co-founder of Bilta. make sure to tune in next monday to see my videos